God loves his church. God loves the church. And the church is all who believe. Whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The church is across our world. The church is every tongue, every nation. That's God's desire. By the way, thank you, Frank and Nancy, for coming back to visit us. You were here 17 years ago, something like that. Is that right? You were a part of the building. You were part of the helpers, a team. You weren't a part of the building, but you were helping with the building. And so you were talking about the window in the back, and you were, I think I remember now, you were up to doing that high stuff. Something like that. Maybe you were doing sanding, filling in, and some sheetrock work. Nancy, you had stuff going on. And you guys have banners. That's right, yes. You were part of the banners, not long, along with uh, Joe and Nancy's jangle. Just. Yeah. Fun to see you. And you're visiting with us. Bless you. I believe that God's word is important. Amen. God's word is, is it, we're, we're needing the culture to understand. There's a need to hear God's word. There's a need to want to understand God's word. And see, Paul would pray this prayer. He was, I pray that after they were believers, he would pray that they would not stay just simply believers, but they would become firebrands. They would become disciplers. They would become intentional about reaching their neighbors. They would become uh, authentic about living a lifestyle that represented the heart that had been changed. After we receive Christ, we're not to hide it in a, under a bushel. We're not to be closet Christians. But we were to go out into the streets and the highways and byways, just simply live. And let me say this. By the way you live speaks volumes as a witness in the things of God. Never forget that. You may not feel good enough. Just admit it right now. I'm not good enough, but he is. <laughs> I'm not good enough, but he is. He made me righteous, not myself. I'm not self-righteous. I can't make myself righteous. And so the church is constantly being attacked all the way from the beginning. God's created the home, the family. What, what has Satan been doing? He's trying to wreck homes. And if he can wreck the homes, he'll wreck the culture. And he wants to wreck the church. He always wants to wreck God's plans. I got good news, I got good news for you and I. God's plans are going to come out just the way he said it and his house is going to be full and his house will be filled to overflowing there are people yet to come to know Jesus Christ that are going to come before he comes back there are people that you and I are going to reach or encourage before he comes you and I are still on a mission you got breath in your lungs you got a mission Yes, well, I can't do much anymore. Wait a minute. Whoop. 
Not always what you do, it's who you are. It's who you are in Christ. Are you praying? You're doing something. You're becoming, you're, you are affecting people around you. You are carrying the contagiousness of, of the presence of the Lord. That people center something different about you and I. Well, that's a good thing. We're not going to probably, yeah, we may. We may. We'll see the Lord leave. I maybe mention this, but we're going to get to the rapture in this chapter, but we may not get there this Sunday. The rapture may occur before the sermon is over. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you ready? Yes, in Jesus. See, this little book was written from a prison cell as Paul was locked away as they were trying to stop him from preaching the gospel. Guess what? Didn't work. Whatever Satan tries to do, God turns around and he makes a blessing on it. Just like Joseph when he was in the house, you know, in Potiphar's house and he was in, in, uh, in, in captivity and then he got, you know, accusation for, uh, you know, trying to mess around with uh, Potiphar's wife. He had no, no... You know, he fled from the thing, and then she made up a story, a rumor. That's exactly what Satan wants to do, is spread rumors about the people of God. Try to bring hindrance. And Paul said in chapter 2, verse 18, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan thwarted us. Thwarted. That's a what, New American Standard verse. Thwarted. As Gary Espeseth's interpretation would be, he trying to sideswipe him. Sideswipe him. Come out his blind side. Come out and try to taunt the people of God. Reminds me of David when he stood before the Goliath. You come with your sword. You come in your giant, giantness, but I come in the name of the Lord, our God. You see, there's no one else but the Lord, our God. There's no other name beside Jesus Christ. When we square up with that, we're on the right path. When we square off as a society, if we could only square off... If we could only realize there's no other God. We've been studying Wednesday nights, going through Exodus and uh, the adventures. We go, we, we go, the ups and downs of Moses leading the children to the desert and then unbelief. And then they're, they're in and they're out and they're up and they're down. They're tempted to wander. Tempted to leave the God that brought them out of slavery, forgetting what they had or what they were enslaved to, Jesus comes to give us new beginning. Jesus comes to give you a purpose. You really start to live when Jesus is in your heart. And Paul said it this way, we're going to really live if we know you, church in Thessalonica, are standing firm, we really are going to come alive. We really are going to get excited. In other words, you will make my day. And so 
We're actually going to start the fourth chapter. I think I might have said the third. I'm just reminiscing and trying to catch us up to speed. Paul was concerned that these young believers would not only just be saved, but they would abound, that they would excel, that they would go forward and make uh, inroads into the communities that they lived in. And so we're going to call this message Excel Still More. Not Excel Energy. No, 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 no. Excel Still More. X E X C E L. Excel means to sort of like accelerate, Excel means to move forward, Excel means to step out. Excel means to believe God. Excel means in spite of what others are saying or doing, I choose to believe the good way. I choose to choose even if it's a narrow path that leads to life. Now chapter 4 starts verse 1. Finally then, finally, finally. People always like it when the pastor says, finally, or in conclusion, they have hope. (laughs) Brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. Notice how he refers to the walk. It's really not what people remember. Let me rephrase it. What people really remember about us is how we lived. People will remember how they were treated. People will remember kindness, and they'll remember not kindness. And so what's really important here is how not only what we say is right, but what you see would point the way. That in fact, people might find out about you that you're a believer. They might sense there's something different. That's a good thing. Just what if they found out about your faith and they too then wanted to become a believer? That you are now encouraging by what you do. What are your priorities? What is most important in this life is to keep Watch over a heart, in the garden of our heart, and the thoughts in our minds that they will be stayed in a good place. They will be stayed upon him. Not that we'll never be tempted, but we will be tempted. But what we will resist, have the power in Jesus' name. So what Paul is specifically going to get to is the verses ahead. 
he says in verse 2, For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. At verse 3, he says, This is the will of God, your sanctification. Now, what does that mean? Sanctification has to do with being set apart for God. In other words, you're not, you're not your own anymore. In other words, I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in control he is. But I must exercise self-control. And I would liken it this, to compare it to, a, I want the Spirit of God controlling me. I want God the Holy Spirit controlling me, constraining me, restraining me, and nudging me to move out when it's time to move out, or to speak when it's time to speak. And so he gets to this specific Subject at verse 3. This is or that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. In other words, in the church of Thessalonica, there had to have been a concern. These people needed to understand that they were to walk in the boundaries that God established for them. Verse 4, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And he's referring to how we should live. And God's design is the best for the, for the family. He has always had the best for us. He's created the family unit. He's created the husband and wife to love each other. He created this, uh, this partnership. It's, it's, it's the scripture says you become one with each other. And so Paul, uh, he, he related to this subject in a different place in the church of Corinth. And Corinth actually means to, to, to commit fornication. It was, it was a sexual sin-filled city. And Paul recognizes their need to understand that now that the Christ is living in them, you are becoming a vessel, a holy temple. And so, so if, you, if you, you join yourself to another person other than, than your husband or your wife, then you are becoming one with that person. If you join yourself to a harlot, you become one with that person. And there's danger and it breaks down the spirituality, the growth. It stunts the growth. It begins to interfere with the help of the Holy Spirit. That is just the basics. And we live in a culture that is so infiltrated with so many images that we have to watch what we watch. We've got to guard over our hearts. We have to be in the Word of God to allow his cleansing. See what comes down to this is if I don't have no conviction about it, if I say, well, that's what, this is what everyone's doing, if I don't have a conviction about it, then there's something wrong in my heart. But I believe there's a conviction. Conviction is a good thing. It's not saying you are no good. It's not saying conviction is this. Put the brakes on Back up. Whoa. Put the brakes on. Stop and look what's going on. 
Amen. You know, God has a, created marriage as a beautiful thing. But the enemy, as always, wants to wreck God's plans. As Hebrews says that the marriage bed, un, bed be undefiled. In other words, guard your marriage. Be faithful. Thank you for being faithful. Some of you have been married, I think, I think you said 60. Bless you. Bless you. It's role modeling. You see, that's what I'm getting at. How we ought to walk. Our world needs to see what is really, what is the right way here? We don't have to go around saying, you know, you guys, you know, you, you know, point the finger. No, no, no. Just live your life. If there's opportunity, if they ask questions, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, of course, speak. Why? Why does God set boundaries? Why does he set these, these standards? Because he wants the best for you. Amen. He wants you to know him in his fullness. He wants you to be complete and satisfied. And there's no other better way than to do it God's way. So that's what he's, Paul's very specific. Abstain from sexual immorality. So we have and given a commandment. In verse 5, don't be uh, living with, it's not in lustful passion like the Gentiles. You see, people sin because they're sinners. Right? And when, when Paul talks about the world, he talks about, you know, the Gentiles, they, they don't know God, they haven't had a chance, but they... They've been grafted in. We're in, right? You and I are Gentile, probably most of us here. We've been grafted in. But what he's referring to, people in the world outside of the faith, they don't know any better. So they're going to do whatever feels good, whatever's right in their own eyes. It's similar. Oh, I hear this echo. That Jesus referred to in the days of Noah. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be when Son of Man cometh. What were the days of Noah like? In the scriptures in Genesis it says they were basically doing everything that was right in their own eyes. So it tells me what they were doing is that whatever opinion you have, that's okay. Whatever you believe, that's okay. And they didn't realize that they'd stepped so far away from God. And God had to bring judgment. God always brings judgment. God has consequences to sin. But I'm so glad that we can avoid his judgment and we have, can have his forgiveness like simply wanting the forgiveness, simply acknowledging our sin. You see, if, I, have to, I have to say this because I don't want to leave you hanging. Feel I've, I've done the unpardonable. And there's no hope. And there's hope for you. There's hope for anyone. You, 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 if you feel like you've done the unpardonable, then you haven't. Okay? 
The blood of Jesus covers and cleanses and removes. We can have a new beginning. What Paul is getting at, that now that we've come to Christ, we have the power to live like Jesus. Let me go at it from this angle. When Paul addressed the subject in Romans about grace, he said, grace doesn't mean I have a license to do whatever I want to do. It doesn't mean I have a license to do whatever I want to do. What he's saying is now that I have God's grace in me, I have the power to say no to sin that I didn't have otherwise. See what I'm saying? It's sort of like going on the offense. That I'm not just hanging on to the Lord comes or hoping I'm going to make it. But what we're doing is we're going forward and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Right? Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell are going to be pushed away. He's on the offense. Jesus is on the offense. He is building his church and he's doing it through you. And our lifestyle speaks volumes. I suppose I should look at my notes. <laughs> a couple things here I wrote down. Our most effective witness is how we walk or how we live. James says, be doers of his word. See, God's commandments are not to be confused with opinions. This is where we're getting stuck in our culture. And so when I pray for revival, I need to pray, Oh Lord, help truth to penetrate. There's a hardening that has happened. And it can happen subtly. It can happen little by little, so subtle. Oftentimes, a backslider would tell you they never woke up one day and said, I'm going to go do this thing. No. It started with a little thought here. It's a subtle thing until they begin to engage and act upon it. Let, let the church be alert. That's what Paul was saying. Be alert. Don't be sleeping in the spirit. Be alert. Your senses are in tune. God, the Holy Spirit is wanting to move us in a direction. And if our senses are not being exercised, our prayer life is not being exercised, we sit and we don't hear. And I'm talking to myself. This preacher needs to pray about what he's going to talk about. He needs to talk to God first about it before he talks to God's people about it. And he better have spent his time. He better have a message from the Lord because people are not going to change 
People are not going to sense the conviction, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the empower, unless there's genuine presence of God. I believe people change in his presence. At least there's something that stirs them, and they want to come back. And they want to come back. And they can't get enough. And the more God gives, the more people want. And the more you pray, the more you want to pray. We heard that at camp. And the more you give, the more you want to give. You see how it's just a cycle that God, as you send up the prayers, God sends down the blessing. Now we've got something to give to people around us. You've got something to say. You've got something put in the spiritual bank. When the opportunity arises, someone takes a deposit. That's okay. You give it away. You give a word of encouragement. Your life, in your life, you have checks or deposits and withdrawals. Deposits in the spirit, withdrawals as we go out in workplace. We are a vessel. Excel still more. It's like, don't get confused with Paul. He's not saying, yeah, you know, you're just not quite good enough. He's not saying you're not good enough. He's saying God has more for you. This way, you haven't seen nothing yet. That's what he's saying. Press on. Learn from it. Grow from it. Dig deeper. I am amazed how many times I can read and reread the scripture and still get more and more and more. Something I've never quite seen before. How many have been there? It's happening. Why? Because his word is living and active. It is alive. The Holy Spirit works through his word to bring the understanding. And the application is so important. You see, what is your ambition? What is my ambition I like verse 11. I'm kind of skipping, skipping a bit. Some people would say, I wish I had a little more ambition. Oh, all right. Nope. No amens there. <laughs> Do you expose yourself? What is the main thing? What is the re- reason? What's the purpose we're here? Verse 11, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we come in. I have a sense. Paul would say this in other places. Don't become a busybody. What does that mean? Well, we can get down on sexual immorality. There's a lot of other sins. And one of them is gossip. And hold the tongue. James says it's really hard to tame. No man can tame the tongue, but God 
contain the tongue. What I'm saying is we want all the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, meekness. I might have missed one. Operating. We want the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of them is discerning. Discerning good or evil. Discerning of spirits. One of them is having faith. One of them is praying for healing and seeing miracles. One of them is tongues, interpretation of tongues. Nine of them. And then he says, lead a quiet life. I love that. That, that's to be, that sounds like paradise right there. Quiet life. Come on, you guys could, had kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, maybe some great-great-grandkids. They come and they just love, love on them, love on them. All of a sudden, oh, my goodness, I need my quiet time. I need some quiet. Jesus demonstrated this so much. He slipped away from the crowd. He'd go to the crowds, and crowds wore him out. People were always, once they got a hold of what he had to give to them, he was like flogged, you know, run down, trampled almost. Give the guy a break. Jesus knows when you're tired. Jesus knows what you need when you're the world is going 100 miles an hour around you. Attend to your own business. Some things are just not my business. I don't need to know. I'll pray about it. I'll pray for people. Unless they want to tell me, I, I'm not, I don't believe in prying. your own business. There's a place, there's a properness, there's a there's this sense of Paul described, you know, he's described the the gifts and he was talking about prophecies two or three. He was talking about order in the service. He was talking about Not giving impression of confusion, but the blessing of God. I believe that we can have a, an absolute encounter with God. Don't get me wrong; we need to we need to we need to worship together. Well, let me encourage you to excel in one more thing. When you're in your quiet time, begin to praise him. Speak it out. Just try this. If you, have, if you don't do this already, just, if you don't know what to say, just say, thank you, Jesus. Just begin to utter the name of Jesus. You see, you, can, you, may, you may be having confusion in your life, and Jesus, you just need to know he's there. 
Because we're not going to be exempt from the storms of life. We're not going to be excluded from the tribulation that is, happens to the believer. But they can, they can do something to our body. They can hurt us. The enemy can try to put us down. But they can't take the inner man. That we belong to him. And no, this is the next subject of the chapter. Paul, what happens to people who die before the coming of the Lord? I'll just give you a preview. It's good news. It's good news. You're not going to stay in that ground. In fact, the matter is, when the body dies, the spirit leaves. That's what death is. And if you're a believer, you're right in the presence. You're right in the presence. And then there's some time. The body's going to come out of the ground. I don't understand all that. For whatever reason, God says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's a good thing. And now, getting ahead of myself, that was encouragement. Because they realized they were going to see their loved ones again. That's encouraging. They're going to be there when it's your turn, when it's our turn. If the Lord tarries, we don't have to go through death, but either way, we win. Either way, we're in the presence. I had a friend, I I don't even remember, it was a pastor friend. It was, um, it's amazing what I can remember sometimes under the Spirit. But it's amazing I can't remember names. Maybe it's a good thing. But I remember in college, I think it was Lowenberg. Carrie, you might remember. Paul. He was talking to his friend. He got to him. He was on his deathbed. He was maybe a missionary friend, and he's, he's praying with him. And he looked up and Paul's face and said, you know what, you're just jealous because I'm going before you are. What a way to live. What a way to live. What a, what a hope. You know, what a, there will come a time when this, if the Lord tarries, it'll come a time when we're done, we're ready. We're ready to really go home. And so what Paul is saying, Live, live expecting, live with this idea that we are walking with the king of kings. He lives in us, and what I do with my body matters. I bring the presence. Don't let me do anything stupid or foolish, selfish, harmful. Put the strain, put the reins on me, put the conviction in me. That's what I want. So that I can live right. Amen? I want to live right. Jesus, you led the way. You conquered the tempest. You led the way with the help of the Holy Spirit. You led the way by your actions, by what you, how you demonstrated your, your prayer life. You led the way how you believed when you were on this earth. And we are here right now recognizing that we too 
may face trials, ups and downs, unknowingness, uncertainties. And so we acknowledge right now in the name of Jesus that you will bring our faith to a place where we say, I surrender. Now we say, I need you, Lord. I need you more than ever. I'm on a path. I'm in a stretch of life that is difficult. And I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to give up. But I'm going to finish with the help of God or the help of the Holy Spirit. So encourage anyone here today that needs Jesus in their heart, that you would say in your heart, even as I just say a simple prayer, right where you're seated, Lord, I need you in my heart. I need you in my life. I begin to ask you right now in the name of Jesus, come into my heart and life. Lord, I have maybe slipped a little bit. Maybe I've wandered. Maybe I've loosened up my guard. Let down my guard. Lord, help me, Jesus. Restore the things that are holy. Help me to keep my walk with you excelling going forward. And we commit now our hearts to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, singing this simple little chorus song. Lord, I need you. Make this our final prayer, our benediction, sending us out. We stand, if you will. Lord, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest.